This morning, we're going to talk about a subject that uh, is near and dear to every Christian person, um, and it's something that we cannot do without, and of course, that topic is faith. And so we're talking about the force of faith this morning. Um, I was talking to Pastor Brandon uh, prior to service, and we were just kind of talking about some of the things that have been going on in the news and on the, in the media. Uh, one of the biggest things you've probably been hearing about in the news is the coronavirus and how it's making its way all across Asia and Europe and into the U U.S., and people are freaking out, people are scared. And, you know, there's even, even Christian people who are, who are beginning to start get, to get worried. And so, you know, we were just talking about how in this season that we're in, it's not just the coronavirus, it's, it's virus, it's the elections that are coming up. People are, are kind of worried about who's going to be in office, the economy, um, just, you know, foreclosures. People are just living in anxiety. And so we got to, as believers, we have to take authority of those things. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, it says that, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You know, it also says in, in, uh, in uh, Psalm 91, it says, a thousand shall fall on my right side, 10,000 on my left, but it shall not come near me. So that means that even if these things are taking place, the Bible protects us. It says God says he's going to protect us from all of those things. But if that's going to happen, we have to operate in what? In faith. We have to operate in faith. And so this morning, my assignment is to help build your faith. Amen? Now, when we talk about this word faith, um, for, for those of you all that don't know, I'm an educator. I'm an administrator in Mansfield ISD, but I taught for 11 years. And prior to that, I was an instructional coach. So I worked with teachers on curriculum and instruction and strategies, lesson plans, all that kind of stuff. So when I do these sermons, that's kind of where I'm coming from as an educational standpoint. Um, this word faith uh, in the English language is, is a noun. It's, it's, a, it's a person, place, or thing. But it's a very interesting word because it's also used as a verb. Because a verb is an action word, right? So in order to operate in faith, that takes some form of action. Am I right about it? Okay, so keep that in mind as we talk about this word. Uh, if you have your Bibles or your devices this morning, let's open up to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This is going to be our foundational text. And if you know anything about faith, you know that Hebrews chapter 11 is what we as believers call the hall of fame of faith. Because it breaks down every single person in the Word of God who used their faith to get big-time results. Amen? And we're just going to read a little bit here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, and it reads, Now. Everybody say now. Didn't say later. Now means the present, right? Okay, so now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony— by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now jump down to verse number six. This is, this is very important. It says, but without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible, impossible. To please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you mean to tell me that I cannot please God if I don't operate in faith? Isn't that what, it, what the book just said? 
You see, you have to understand something. If you're trying to get results in this world, you have to operate by faith. Faith is what we call the currency of the kingdom of God. It's the way in which the kingdom of God operates. See, you have to, God does not care. We, and Pastor Brandon just talked about this this morning in our team meeting. God does not care about your feelings. I know that might sound insensitive, but he doesn't. What he cares about is faith. Now, he, that, doesn't mean, that, doesn't, that doesn't go to say that he doesn't care about you and how you feel, but he's saying, okay, look, I understand what's going on in your life, but you're going to have to operate in faith if you're trying to get results because that's what my word says. That's not an opinion. It just said that it's impossible to please him if you do not operate in faith, right? Raise your hand if you are sitting here this morning, and at some point in your life, you have had to truly, and I mean truly, depend on God and use your faith. Let me see your hands. Look at all these hands. Take a look. Right? Okay, hands down. So this thing is real. I'm not talking about believing God for, you know, a parking spot, which is fine, too. I'm talking about believing God for some, some big-time things. Uh, some of you all may, may know my testimony, but if not, I'll briefly go through it. Uh, I'm originally from Detroit. That's right, the D, the real D, okay? Wow. Um, yeah, I said it, so okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I was born and raised in Detroit uh, all my life and planned on staying there, went to school there. Um, you know, my wife and I got married. We bought our first home there, got my first job there, working in Detroit public schools. Everything was going well. In 2005, around October, the Lord started uh, giving me this vision. It was waking me up in the, in, in the middle of the night, literally, like 2, 3 in the morning. And anybody who knows me, I love to sleep. When I'm asleep, I'm out. Like, I don't hear nothing. I mean, if the rapture came, I, that's the only way I'm getting up. So, I mean, I, I'm out. But I was getting up early, and I just I didn't understand why, and so I started praying about why this was happening. And the Lord started revealing to me, he said, hey, I want you to start thinking about leaving this city. Now, he didn't tell me to come to Dallas, but he just wanted this, the thought to start marinating in my spirit that it was time to go. So I said, okay. So I started praying and praying and praying. After a few months, I started getting about seven cities that I wrote down. And after that time, I started doing research on those cities. I called people who I knew who lived in those cities. I did research on the economy, the job market, everything. After a couple of more months, there were two cities that were left on that list for me, Dallas and Houston, both in Texas. So I knew we were going to be in Texas. So I knew one person in, in the Dallas area, one of my old frat brothers from college, hadn't talked to him in years. And I said, hey, man, do you mind if I come down and just stay a week with you? I need to just kind of survey the land and check out the scene. And he was like, come on, man, come on. So I flew down and, you know, he showed me around town. There just happened to be a job fair here. I knew about the job fair before I went. So I got my suit. I had my resumes. I'm ready to go. Before I walk out the door, my wife says to me, babe, you need to put your picture on your resume. I was like, that's the wackest idea ever. Like, no, don't nobody do that. That's unprofessional. Don't nobody put their picture on their resume. Who does that? And she just kept saying, she was like, I'm telling you, just do it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do it. Just, you know, whatever. So I had a stack of resumes, you know. So I go to this job fair. There's 1,500 people out there. I don't know nobody. I'm from out of state, let alone out of town. So there were so many lines where, like, you could go and interview. So they only made the interviews, like, maybe 10 minutes because they were trying to get people in and out. So I didn't feel like waiting on all these lines. 
So they had these buckets like this, a little bit bigger. And they had these buckets by where the rooms were. You could just drop your resume off, and that way they would have it, and they'll kind of flip through it. And if they liked you, I guess they'd contact you. So I'm just like, forget it. I ain't waiting these lines. I'm drop, dropping these resumes. So the whole morning goes by nothing. I don't get no calls. I ain't do nothing. So I go to the cafeteria, and I see this woman, and she's frantically walking through the cafeteria doing this. So I'm like, this look, this look, she look crazy. You know, she's going through. So she finally comes up to me, and she was like, she said, sir, is that you? I said, yes, ma'am, that's me. She was like, we've been looking for you all morning. I said, well, I've been here. I, you know, I'm just, I don't know what, why y'all didn't find me. She's like, well, do you have time to interview right now? I said, yeah. She's like, she grabs me by the hand. She's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. So she walks me by, I kid you not, like 25 people in line. I get in there. Again, the resume, the interview is supposed to be no more than 10 minutes. I'm in there for a half hour. We get done. She puts a piece of paper in front of me, and she says, we want you. Can you sign this contract? I said, you know what? Can I have about 10 minutes to go pray about it and call my wife? When I said that, she just, blew, she, she just glowed like, yeah, please do. Like She was like, you do that, you know? So I called my wife. I said, babe. I said, yo, uh, they offered me this job. She's like, take it. <laughs> So we put the house up, and the rest was history. So I went back, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and accept that. Now, faith got me to Dallas. I didn't know anybody here. But I had a choice. I could have stayed in Detroit. Now, here's, the, here's the, the blessing of the story. We ended up leaving Detroit. This was, this was, we left in 2006. If you know anything about the city of Detroit, you know it's a very blue-collar city that operates on the big three, which is Ford, GM, and Chrysler. That's their bread and butter. When, those, when that industry struggles, it's a trickle-down effect, and it affects every other entity of business. And that's exactly what was happening, because my job as a teacher was in jeopardy. I was getting pink slips every other week. They was like, oh, psych, we were just playing. You know, and they were doing that all the time. You know, so I was like, dude, I can't operate like this. I got a brand-new house. My daughter was just born. I mean, she was, she was a baby at the time. So I'm like, yo, I need something solid. I can't, you know, and then my wife, you know, she was pregnant. She, she, we had the baby. She left her job. She was working at a university where they were doing some illegal type stuff. And, you know, she was like, I'm out of here. I'm not trying to get, you know, caught up in this. So this is what we're dealing with. So I have a decision to make. I can either stay in the confines of my hometown or I can go to a foreign land where I don't know nothing and I don't know nobody. Talk about faith. So the, so the Lord said to me, he said, Chris, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 12, and I want you to read about Abraham. So I read about Abraham and how he had to leave his hometown and go to a foreign land. Same situation. It, gave, it built my faith is what it did. So one thing I will say is when God tells you to do something, and you start to build that faith, sometimes it's not for everybody to know. And the reason why I say that is because when you start sharing your visions and dreams with people that are either believers or not, sometimes they're not going to be happy for you. They're going to be like, oh, you think you cute. Oh, you think you better than me. Oh, that ain't going to happen. You know, so, so we didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my parents. Now, I was going to tell. She's like, see, there she go. She's talking about that's right, right? Now, look. It wasn't, it wasn't that we weren't planning on telling them, 
But the fact that the Lord said, don't say anything, because we didn't want to have anybody convince us otherwise of what I knew God told me to do. Now, if I would have stayed in the city of Detroit, I could have done that. I could have been comfortable. I could have been with family and friends. But watch this. The economy started doing this. People started losing their jobs. Houses started going foreclosure. I mean, my neighborhood changed right before my eyes. I could have stayed there, could have moved somewhere else. But the blessing was here. The blessing was here. I grew professionally here. My son was born here. My daughter's operating in her gift because we're here. I'm in ministry because I'm here. When I was in Detroit, I wasn't thinking about ministry. I mean, I was doing some ministerial type things, but I wasn't ever thinking like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be in ministry. I'm just like, I'm going to go to church, pay my tithes. I'm good. God's like, no, you're not. Mm, nope. But that happened here. And that took faith. Amen? So that's why I was asking you, you know, when you believe God for something, you know, we're talking about big time faith. You know, God wants to bless you. God wants to see you at your best, but, it's, but you're not going to get anywhere unless you start operating in faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? That means that the more I hear the word, the more I study this word for myself, it's my spirit man is getting built up with faith that I can believe God for the things that I want and the things that I need. Amen? So when we talk about faith, I said earlier, faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. It's how God operates. You know, I've heard people say, and you've probably heard people say this as well, they say, man, you know, I, I just wish I had more faith. I need more faith. Now, I know what they mean when they say that, but that, that phrase is actually incorrect because the Bible says in the book of Romans that God has given every man the measure of faith. So in other words, it wasn't like, okay, he gave Brandon this much faith. He gave Jonah this much faith. No, he's given everybody the same measure of faith. So you might say, well, how, how do I build and develop that faith? Great question. It's no different than a muscle. Everybody in here has muscles. Some of y'all can see them better than others, but everybody has muscles. So how did they get the muscles to start popping? They developed them. They go to the gym, they lift the amount of weights that they need to lift, the right weight, the right reps, the right exercises, they start eating properly, and they do this continually, not for one day. Just like some of y'all come to church, one time a week, open the scripture, you don't see it again until the next week. You eat three times a day, but yet you eat spiritually <laughs> once a week, or you work out once a week talking about, I'm trying to look like whoever. The Rock. You ain't going to be looking like The Rock working out one time a week. I can promise you that. So you have to be intentional with this, folks. You can't trip up on this. This has to be done intentionally. So, you know, another example, how many people, raise your hand if you like to fish. Any, any fishermen, fish, fisherwomen out here, right? Okay. Got a couple of fish people like to fish. Okay. So, when, if you know anything about fishing, you get your, your bait, you put it on the hook, you go out to the water, whatever you're at, 
you cast your rod. An experienced fisherman knows when a fish is by the hook or by their bait. How do they know that? Because they feel a little tug. They're sensitive. They've done it so many times. It doesn't take much for them to know there's a fish down there, and they can reel it in. But what happens if that fisherman takes off six months to a year? They ain't fished at all. And they go back out there thinking they sweet, got their bait, cast the rod. They thought they felt something. They reel it in. They, they bait all gone. All they, the fish then ate all your worms, everything gone. You know what just happened? You lost your dexterity. Same thing with faith. If you don't exercise your faith, if you don't use it, you're going to lose your faith dexterity. You try going to the gym, like let's say you've been consistent. You know, you've been going to the gym four times a week for, for, for six months or something like that, eating right. But then something happens, you get lazy, you want to sleep in, whatever. You start eating all these, you know, Twinkies and stuff, whatever. You go, your mind's like, you know what, let's go back to the gym. You're like, yeah, yeah. You go back to the gym mentally, you trying to pick up where you left off. Dude, they going to call EMS on your behind. Because I promise you, you ain't doing the same amount of weight. Guarantee it. Because you've lost your dexterity. That's why we have to be intentional with this word. Amen? So when you got born again, it took faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, of, the Son of God, and he rose for your sins, you're going to be saved. That's faith. Because guess what? You weren't there to see Jesus crucified. But you believe the testimony of the witnesses that wrote this, right? That's why I try to tell people who try to come at me talking about, you know, the Bible ain't real. You know, it was written by man. No, duh, it was written by man. Who else is going to write it? I'm like, I'm asking you, like, well, do you believe George Washington was the first president of the United States? Yeah. Why you believe that? It's documented. Fool, what you think this is? <laughs> Who, I mean, like, really? Like, so don't come. I mean, I've done street ministry, y'all. So I'm, don't, I'm trying to tell these people, don't test me, like, on the word now. We can go at it. So anyway, um, but when you got born again, you know, it was like, you, you know, physically, you probably didn't look any different. Like, you probably looked the same. You know, you didn't lose any weight. You didn't, your hair didn't look different, you know. But, but you had the faith to believe and know that you were born again on the inside. Amen? Let's um, go to the book of Mark. I want to show you something. Mark chapter 16. We're going to see an example of some serious faith here. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Uh, and we're going to start reading here in verse number 1. This is after Jesus had just died. It says, now, there's that word now again. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices. I want you to focus on that phrase, bought spices. That they might come and anoint him, talking about Jesus. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb where the sun had risen. And they, did, and they said among themselves, and watch this, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Let me stop right there. So after Jesus died, 
he was placed into this tomb, Herod made a decision that they were going to seal this tomb so that nobody could get in or get out. In fact, the Bible says that he actually placed a legion of soldiers outside of that tomb. And the reason why he did that was because he didn't want anybody to break into the tomb, steal the body, and be like, oh, I told you he rose, because that was the rumor that was going around. So he was like, okay, you know what? To alleviate that situation, we're going to put soldiers out there, we're going to guard it, and it's sealed. But yet these two women, what'd they do? They bought spices. Because in their mind, they getting in that tomb. Do you see that? Why else would you do that if your intent is not to go in there and I guess they're going to anoint the body or whatever they're trying to do. That's why they bought the spices. That's faith. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. It says, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been what? Rolled away. For it was very large. I bet. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. So you mean to tell me their faith actually came true? That, that stone was rolled away. You see, faith is a personal thing. Whatever you believe God for is what you believe God for. So don't get mad when you see somebody else that got blessed and you up there start hating, like, how they get that helicopter? How they get that, that, that Royce Royce? How they get... You don't know what they was believing for. You don't know how much they prayed. You don't know how much they gave. You don't know what was going on with them. All you saw was the result. But God is faithful to meet you for what you believe him for. The fact that we're in this place right now was off of faith. God gave Pastor Brandon a vision years ago. He didn't just wake up like a year ago like, you know what, I think I'm going to start this church. No. This was prophesied to him when he was a kid. Think about it this way. Look at, look at David and look at um, Joseph. God revealed to these two men when they were teenagers their destiny. The prophet Samuel came to David and told him, he said, you're going to be the king of Israel. He was probably 17 years old at that time. God started giving Joseph dreams as a young man. And he started giving him dreams and he saw that he was going to be the prime minister of Egypt, which in and of itself is crazy because he is a Jewish man. And he, being the prime minister of Egypt, that's brand by Hebrew people, Egyptians who don't like Jews. So how are you going to run a society where people don't even like you? So this, this was revealed to them as teenagers, but it didn't come to pass until they were well into their 30s. So now think about that. You, God promised you something when you were, you know, 17. It didn't come to pass until you were about 33, 34. That's, you know, 15, 16, 17 years that go by. That's a lot of opportunity for you to get out of faith. That's a lot of, lot, of, lot of years that go by. You don't see nothing. I don't know if you don't know anything about the bamboo tree, but the bamboo tree, when you plant it as a seed, you don't see any growth for seven years. People think it's dormant. 
But once it starts going up, it becomes the tallest tree there is and the strongest tree that there is. But it takes seven years to start growing. Some of you all have given up on your dreams. God, God has shown some of you all in here this morning visions of what he wants you to do, businesses he wants you to start. Maybe you're believing God for a husband this morning. Maybe you're, maybe you're married and your husband left and you're believing God to bring, his, bring him back. Or maybe you got a negative report from the doctor and now you're standing in faith to get healed. Whatever the situation is, time I bet you has gone by. And it's very easy to get out of faith because you don't see the natural result. You see, we live in an instantaneous society. We live in what I like to call a microwave society. We want stuff instantly, but we don't appreciate the journey because in the journey is where your progress comes from. But we don't want to do that. That's too hard. We just want to see the results. So we got to really watch ourselves on that. When you're believing God for something what we need to start doing is preparing for it. Even though we don't see the end result, we need to start preparing. The definition of, pre of preparation, watch this. It is the action or process of making something ready for use or service. That's what preparation means. So let me go back to some of these examples, okay? Let's say you're believing God for a business, your own business. What do you need to start doing? Preparing. Do research. Go to some seminars. Do some, uh, some, some podcasts. Get a 501c3. Get some business cards, start printing up. Start talking to people who own businesses. What am I doing? I'm being proactive. I'm not just sitting there waiting for it to come. I'm doing things in preparation. Say you're believing God for a baby. Marry couples. Yeah, let me say that. Marry couples, okay? Believe in God for a baby. Maybe you've tried and tried and tried and you, it's nothing happening. Well, you need to go to Home Depot, start getting some paint, start painting that room. Start looking at clothes for your baby. Start getting names. Start doing all that stuff. Why am I doing that? Because I'm preparing for what's to come. Well, why would you do that? Nothing, you've been trying, ain't nothing happened. Yeah, but I'm operating in faith. Yeah, I hear that, Lord. So my, <laughs> I'm just putting this out there. So my, we have two kids, right? Jonah, raise your hand. You ain't shy. <laughs> Olivia over here. Those are my two kids, okay? We have two earthly kids. Guess how many kids we gonna have when we get to heaven? Four. No, six, I'm sorry. We'll have six kids. We'll have six kids in heaven. You know why? Because we have four miscarriages on this earth. You know how easy that is to get out of faith? Do you know that miscarriages are the one thing that doctors can't even explain to people? All the years they go to, to school, they, nobody can explain it. But this man right here, I knew was coming because the Lord had told me he was coming. In fact, there were people that had prophesied to me that he was coming. Now, you got to be careful about that part, but I mean, I believed it, it resonated with me. So when they told me that, I was like, you know what, you're spot on because I know that's what I've been believing. But after the miscarriage, one, two, three, what do you think's going through our mind? God is like, 
is, is he telling me the truth? Because what I'm seeing ain't matching up to what I've been told. Very easy to get out of faith. But when he came, it was like, man, okay, God is, is awesome. In fact, one day we were, I had Olivia in the car. We, I had just picked her up from daycare. We're going home out of the blue. She says to me, she's got to be two years, three years old. She says, Daddy, guess what? I said, what, babe? She said, my brother's name is going to be Jonah. This is what she's telling me. I said, okay. So, you know, in my mind, the first thing I do is I go to her daycare. I said, hey, um, do you have any Jonas in here? She's like, no, Mr. Gibson, we don't have any Jonas here. I said, okay, okay, that's cool. So we go to church. We go to church. I go to the church daycare. I said, hey, y'all got any Jonas up in here? He's like, no, we don't have no Jonas. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. So I start watching TV with her, watching Blues Clues, Fresh Beat Band, MC Lance. What's that fool? What's that show, MC Lance? He was Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, watching, watching all these Nickelodeon shows, right? I don't see no Jonah, not one mention of Jonah. So I'm like, okay. So the Lord tells me, he says, why don't you go read the book of Jonah? So I do that out of faith. And I see why his name is Jonah. So again, this faith thing is real, man. Either, look, y'all, either we believe this thing or we don't. You ain't no stand in the middle on this. I mean, like, one of my favorite movies, movies is Karate Kid. Mr. Miyagi goes to Daniel, and he says, look, either you karate do yes, or you karate do no. You karate do guess so, just like grape. And it's the same thing. Like, you can't be like this. You got to be on one side or the other. Either you believe God in his word or you don't. I'm going to tell you right now, you want to know what the biggest difference between Christianity and any other religion in the world is? It's the supernatural. Folks, if we don't have the supernatural, we might as well pack up and go home right now. So this thing is for real. Now, let me talk about real quick here, fear and faith. Everybody say fear. And faith. So these two things are very, very similar. They're very similar. I'm going to tell you why. They both require you to believe in something that hasn't quite happened yet. There's a, it's a thin line. See, fear is really what we call faith contaminated. But every morning you get up, you have a choice to make. You can either enter into fear or you can enter into faith. The devil wants you to enter into fear. Because if you, if you operate in fear, he knows that you will never have a seamless transition to where God wants you to be. He knows that. So you have a decision to make when it comes to fear and faith. Amen? Let me give you another example of faith. Four years ago, I, w I, was, I had a job in another school district. And how many of you all, <laughs> I'm sure y'all can relate to this. How many of you all have worked a job 
where you know the writing's on the wall. You know it's time to go. Like, you don't need God to be like, son, it's time to go. Like, you, you know, like, okay, these jokers tripping. It's time to be out. Like, I think we've all been there. And that's what, that was what was happening with me. So I made a decision. I had prayed about it, of course. And I made the decision to quit my job or resign from my job, but I didn't have a job to go to. Before I did that, I talked to that woman back there <laughs> because I wanted to make sure that she was cool with it before I just made this decision because it was going to take some faith. Now, Vibe City Church and Chris Gibson is not telling you to quit your job if you ain't got a job. I'm going to put that disclaimer out there, okay? <laughs> Don't be calling Brandon. He said it. No, no, no. I did this. <laughs> And so I remember when I took my, my letter of resignation to the HR office, I knew the HR guy. He and I were friends. And um, he come, I come in and he says, man, Chris, he was like, uh, it's, you know, you're leaving. He said, you've been here eight years. It's time to go. I said, yes, sir, it's time to go. He says, man, where are you going? I want to know where you're going. <laughs> I, I was like, bro, I don't know. I said, I, I don't know. I said, but, you know, I believe that I have this next job. And I said, when I get it, I'll be sure to let you know. And he kind of sat back in his desk and he kind of looked at me, crossed his arms. He was like, I respect that. He said, I respect that. And so I left that office. And I remember walking to the parking lot and I said, God, I got two kids, <laughs> a wife, um, we had just bought a new house, really. It wasn't that long. And I'm like, I'm up here walking out this job. Ain't got no job to go to. I mean, like, you talk about some faith. But I believe God was faithful to meet me where I was expecting him to. So what did I do when I left that, inter that, that resignation? I went home. And I started. And, and this was like, I was the only one home because she was at work. The kids were at school. I'm in the house by myself. So what do I do? Open up the blinds, start walking the house, and start praying in the Holy Ghost. I don't even know how long I was praying. I was just praying and praying and praying and praying. I did that for a couple of days. But what I didn't realize was that there were people calling my phone, offering me interviews, but I didn't know. The reason why I didn't know was because my phone messages, it said that it was, um, they were, it was uh, full which had never happened to me because I checked all my messages. So I'm like, how is my voicemail full? One of my friends texted me and was like, man, I've been trying to call you, but your voicemail is full. Call me. I call him. He was like, yeah, man, um, there's some jobs that you need to look at or whatever. So when I finally checked my voicemail, I had two offers or two interviews for an assistant principal job. Two. Now watch God. I go to these interviews the lady was like, man, we, we called you like a couple of weeks ago. Like, we thought, you know, you just weren't interested. I was like, man, I promise you, I, that, that ain't me. Like, that was, that was Satan trying to hold up my, my process because I check all my voicemails. I don't know how it said it was full. But eventually I had two interviews in the same district, and I was, and I, I was hired as an assistant principal. God didn't promise me that. But I got out the boat, and I had to believe him for provision. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you're standing in the need, 
and you standing in the gap, if you don't know God or you don't have a relationship with God or you don't know how to pray, good luck. Because, I mean, at that moment, I was meeting God like this. I'm like, God, I need you because I need, I need this money. We got this house. But God was faithful and just. And what was so funny was when I, when I finally got this job, some people in my old district heard about me getting this job. And, you know, when they see promotion, you know what other people want to do when you left that place? They want to take credit for it. So I started hearing, it was like, oh, Chris got an A-B job. We prepared him for that. He's a leader. That's what you all can do. We was like, man, get out of here with that. That ain't nothing but God. Y'all didn't prepare nothing. Y'all was trying to get rid of me. But that's how people do when they see promotion, right? Yeah. So again, great faith. Great faith. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 8 real quick. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. And in Matthew chapter 8, we've seen this uh, story before. And basically, this is uh, the story of the Roman centurion, chapter eight, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says, Now when Jesus entered to Capernaum, a centurion, which is a Roman shoulder, came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now watch what he says. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under great authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those following him, Assuredly, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. This man was like, look, you ain't even got to come to my house. Just say the word, and I believe it. Are you kidding me? Zach, Justin, come up here real quick, please. Okay, let me give you a quick demonstration of being in faith and not being in faith. Okay, Justin is going to be the guy that operates in faith. Okay? Go ahead and have a seat. You comfortable? You good? Okay, you straight? You good. Okay, all right. Go back right there. Zach, why don't you come over here? Take a look at that seat. What do you think? <laughs> hmm. Interesting. So he's the guy that does not operate in faith. See, God both told them to have a seat. One comes over here. Is, has a seat. Matter of fact, when you all came in here this morning, did, I ain't seen none of y'all like checking out the seats. You had faith enough to believe that this chair would hold your body, no matter what your weight is, right? But one, he kind of questions what's going on. His faith is a little different. He's checking out to see if it's going to hold him. He's looking under here. He does. He's unsure. But they both heard from God. Which one are you? Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Praise God. Man, this clock is moving. Okay. <laughs> Real quick, we're going to stay in Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, next uh, scripture or verse over. Real quick, nine, Matthew 9, 27. It says, 
This is talking about two blind men. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, watch this question he asked them. Do you believe I am able to do this? He's asking them. Why do you think he's asking them this question? Because he wants to see where their faith level is. And what do they say? Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your education, let it be to you. That's not what it says? Okay, my bad. According to your finances, let it be to you. Oh, that's not what it says? Okay. According to your resources, let it be unto you. Oh, my bad. I'm getting my glasses. Okay. According to your faith, be it unto you. Your faith. Very simple, Right? When, when Peter walked on the water, everybody looks at that. There's two people in recorded history who have done that, Jesus and Peter. But guess what? It should have been 13 people who did that. Because when they were in the boat, when Jesus gave Peter the command to come out to the water, that command wasn't just for Peter. It was for the rest of them jugglers in the boat. But Peter was the only one that said, you know what, Lord, if bid it unto you, if that's you, I'm coming out to meet you. And he walked on water. The thing that made him start to sink was fear, which I find interesting because if I'm walking on water, I'm like, shoot, I'm doing this thing. But then the wind and the waves come and he started to fear. But that, his, that could have been all those disciples. See, see, if you stay in the boat, you're, gonna meet, you're just going to hang out with disciples. But when you get out the boat, you get to meet Jesus. And you do that by faith. Amen? Okay, in closing... I'm going to give you five keys to help build your faith. Five keys. So if you're writing down notes or you got your phone, you can write these down. Number one, very simple. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. The Bible says in the book of Joshua, chapter one, verse eight, it says, meditate this word day and night to do according to what it says to do so that you may have good success. Very simple. Stay in the word. The Holy Ghost gave me this, this equation. He said, when you stay in the word, that builds your faith, which will allow you to get things. So word plus faith equals things. Word plus faith equals things. Number two, shield yourself from doubt and unbelief. If you are hanging around naysayers, and this can even be family members or haters, if you will. If you're hanging around people, they're always negative. They always got something bad to say. You need to distance yourself from that because you don't want that stuff to get on you, and that affects your faith. You don't want that. So separate yourself from those people. Number three, remember God's faithfulness from your past experience. You guys have heard Pastor Brandon talk about this. If you have a journal, you need to write down all the, the experiences that you've had where God has showed up and showed out for you. Because I promise you, that's a great faith-building exercise. Because when you start facing some bigger giants, all you got to do is go to your notebook and be like, okay, let's see. Back in 2017, God delivered me from this. Okay, back in 2018, God paid off my car. Okay, 2019, God healed me from that sickness I had. So you start to see all the times he's been faithful. So when the latest and greatest giant comes your way, you're like, man, whatever. So practice that. Number four, 
This one is something that we know, but we tend not to always do. Speak what you want. You got to speak it. You got to put it into the atmosphere. You got to be specific. Practice calling those things that be not as though they were. People talk about, oh, I'm going to, you know, fake it till I make it. No, you faith it till you make it. It's a difference. But you got to start speaking. Yeah, it is tweetable, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, but you got to start speaking that stuff. And then last but not least, number five, very simple, act like it's already done. What does that look like? Well, that means stop using if and start changing that vocabulary to when. When I get this business, when my husband walks through the door in his right mind, when I get this job I've been believing for, not if, when. And when you, and when you explain this to people, don't try to sound sensible, because you ain't going to sound sensible. You, they might even think you're crazy. Let them think that. But you have to speak it into the now. We just saw Hebrews 11.1. 1, it said, now, faith. That means the present. Amen? 